Welcome to the Women in Public Policy Program Seminar Series Podcast at the Harvard Kennedy School. Seats still open up here. Yes. Wonderful. Hi. Uh, welcome. I am uh, Hannah Riley Bowles. I am the research director here at the Women in Public Policy Program, which gives me the pleasure of hosting our terrific uh, weekly seminar. Um, at, women in at the Women in Public Policy Program, we are focused on closing gender gaps in the areas of economic opportunity, political participation, health, and education, and uh, our various seminars uh, really kind of speak to, well, our seminar, the, the breadth of our seminar speaks to the breadth of the mission here. Um, and today, uh, we're really excited to have Alexandra Fangin, who is now an assistant professor at the Erasmus School of Economics in the Department of Finance. She was a doctoral student here at the Kennedy School, so it's particularly fun to have seen her flown off and mm -hmm. doing her fabulous, on the wings of her fabulous research that she's done here. Um, we're going to see today um, about some of the work. She's been a WAP fellow that this year, last year, and this year, and we're going to hear um, about some of her work on uh, risk and how men and women um, respond to risk. In general, her research is kind of in this space of judgment and decision making and um, policy and experimental economics, and she's one of those people who's got a very strong interest in gender, but also in just how do we create environments that help people make better decisions. And so um, with that as a background, I won't take up any more time. We're looking forward to your talk. Thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction. I'm really happy to be back here. It's been four months since I graduated, which is <laughs> <laughs> really good. Um, so thank you for being here. Um, so today I'll be presenting my work um, I like this slight uh, difference on mm -hmm. um, um, gender differences and risk preferences. So we know there's a lot of research. We know it's claimed all the time females are more risk averse than men. Um, that research is really based on isolated risk taking. So we compare uh, risk preferences for a particular risk and then we see yes, females are more risk averse mm -hmm. than men. However, in practice, risk taking rarely occurs in isolation. So we have a lot of other risk sitting in the background, for example. So background risk, risk, other risk unrelated to the risk that we were, are evaluating can affect risk taking. So for example, consider a technician who is just considering undergoing a risky, uh, risky medical procedure. At the same time, there might be a reorganization at her work. And it can be a very risky situation that might well affect her decision to undergo the procedure even though the risks are not related. Um, similarly, realized risk. So risk that we have taken on in the, in the past may affect our risk taking currently. So for example, consider a day trader who had just made a risky investment that turned out very, very well. And so he just may earn a lot of money that may well affect his future willingness to take on risk, even though that risk is completely unrelated to that previous risk. So risk taking does not occur in isolation. <coughs> and if this is true, are there also gender differences in how we respond to background risk and how do we respond to realized risk? And that's what I will be studying in uh, several experiments that I'll present today. So, so as I mentioned, there is a lot of research on gender difference and attitude toward isolated risk. Females are more risk averse. There's also been some study on the effect of background risk and the effect of realized risk. And so we find people are sensitive to this. However, none of this research has studied if there are gender differences in how we respond to background risk and how we respond to realized risk. Okay, so I'm going to use lab experiments. Actually, the experiments were conducted right here at the 
uh, Harvard Decision Science Lab. Um, so, so I'm going to give you a brief overview of my findings. So firstly, I find that females are very sensitive to background risk, but males are not sensitive to background risk. But in contrast, men are very sensitive to the experience of winning. So if they win, they'll suddenly start to take lots of risk. Females are not sensitive to winning at all. So let me give you a brief overview of my talk. So first I'll present the experiments that I run to study the effect of background risk. So I'll go over the theoretical foundations, experimental design, as well as the results. And then I'll move to the effect of realized risk and I'll go through the same procedure there. And then we'll conclude. Okay, so how could background risk affect risk taking? So in economics, we kind of like to represent a risk in the form of a lottery. So if I give you a lottery that gives you either a low outcome or a high outcome, you could say that you have a risk now because it could be either the low outcome or it could be the high outcome. You're not sure yet. So that's how you represent a risk in economics, and that's what I'll also do here. So how could this, the endowment with this risk, how could that affect your risk taking? So in economics, we all always think, well, people care about income. And of course, if, if there is income associated with that risk, then it might well affect people's risk taking in risk-taking, risk-preference. So we generally think if people are more rich, if they're richer, they're less risk-averse, for example. So that's one channel to which background risk could affect risk-taking. However, there's also something else. People don't just care about income. They also care about other things. And so that's what I call the effect of the state of limbo. So if you're, if you're endowed with a risk, maybe not, you just not just care about the income, but you're also in an uncertain state. You're not sure what will happen. A good outcome can happen, a bad outcome can happen. You're uncertain. That might also directly affect your preference for risk. So that's what I will study, and also study if there are gender differences in these two effects. Is that clear? Okay, so I, I run the question. Yes, please. Because I'm a little confused. Maybe somebody else Doesn't the risk depend also on what you invest for it? I mean, Somebody gives me a lottery ticket, so I take the ticket, so I'm running risk of it not coming up for me, right? But doesn't it make a difference about <coughs> money for that ticket as opposed to just? Uh, so that might be another channel. So in my experimental design, I make very sure that I control for all that, and I just I don't give people the option to buy it. I just endow people with it. But I'll, I'll oh, go so over that in the next slide. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, but but definitely, yeah. yeah. So I have 160 students. 50% of them are male. And everything's incentive compatible. So people actually have the chance of losing or earning money. So they can lose up to $15 and earn up to $15 in my risk attitude and visitation procedure. So that means that it's incentive compatible and we can measure the true preferences for risks. Okay, so I have four treatment conditions which allows me to, st to study for the effect of income and the effect of limbo. So in the, in the first treatment is a background risk treatment and there I endow people with, with, a, with a lottery. And I say, or actually, um, I hand them a dice, and they say, okay, this this dice on your cubicle. So later on the experiment, an experimenter will come by and will roll the dice. Now, if it's one, two, or three, you're lucky, you get $30. If it's four, five, or six, you get $2. Okay, so, so, so students know that, and they see this dice in their cubicle when they are, when they are participating in the experiment. Now, I also have a low fixed sum treatment. So in that treatment, all the subjects receive $2 for sure. So they're just endowed with $2. And I have a high fixed sum treatment where subjects are endowed with $30. And I have also control treatment where subjects receive nothing. 
So this design allows me to study both the effect of income and the effect of the state of limbo. So let, let me show you how, how, that, how that works. So here we have the four treatments. So first, uh, in the background, the treatment are endowed with a lottery, the fixed sum treatments are endowed with a fixed sum. And when, then what I do, first I measure the risk attitude elicitation, so, and then uh, that allows me to study if these treatments have an effect on risk taking. And then subjects learn the payoffs, and in the background risk treatment, there's also the dice roll, and they learn the outcome of the, of the, of the dice roll as well. Okay, so let me first go over some, some of the raw results. So I just give you here the percentage of choices for the safe option. So if people have more choices for the safe option, mm -hmm. that means they're more risk averse. Yes. I'm sorry, can you, can you go back and explain again? The, um, I get your conditions, and then are these three stages in the... Yeah, so and, right. And so why, why is only the background risk treatment? The, the dice roll is related to... Yeah. So the dice is roll is what determines Right. their outcome and that's so this is just the okay. setup of the experiment okay and this is really what we're interested in because here there are the treatments and then I, so I you're just going to collect data on their risk attitudes so yeah at that's this what stage I do here. based on the based yes, on based on the condition that they're assigned to right exactly yes very good okay so so let us look at the control treatment what do we find there so I find <coughs> for females they're significantly more likely to choose for the safe option than males well, this is what we expect. This is consistent with the literature in isolated situations. Female are more, females are more risk averse. So this is uh, not surprising, but that's what we find in control treatment. Then in the background tri risk treatment, I see that females are much less likely to go for the safe option. So they become more risk-taking. It's a significant effect. Now for males, they do not find anything. So they do not respond significantly to the effect of the background risk. Now the effect for females is so strong that there's now no longer a significant gender difference in risk taking. This is a pretty striking result because always we find females to be more risk averse, but no, not in the case of background risk. In the case of a positive background risk with outcomes two or 30, we do not find a gender difference in risk taking. So now next I wanna know, well, why is this going on? What is driving this? Is that the effect of income or the effect of state of limbo? So that's what I do when I look at the next column. So now I compare risk-taking in the presence of this fixed sum with the control treatment. So I find that females, if they're endowed with a fixed sum, they become significant, they could become more risk-taking, but this is, this is not significant. So this is borderline insignificant. For males, so, so for females, if I compare the risk-taking, the fixed sum, and the background risk treatment, I find no significant gender difference. So I cannot, so, so I cannot reject the hypothesis that the sensitivity to background risk is completely driven by sensitivity to income. So we do not need this, the effect of limbo to explain what is going on for females. Now if I look at males, I find that the fixed sum has no significant effect, which is not surprising because we also find no effect uh, for the background risk. So males just do not respond to this at all. Okay, so now, so now I did some more, so this is, a, a very, uh, this is all just the raw data, so I did a bit more elaborate analysis and really computed the coefficient of relative risk aversion for males and females and to see what are the effects. So that's what I present here. I hope, I hope it's not too small, um, but I'll walk you through it. So in the first column, I just did this analysis for females. 
So when I look at the effect of background risk and effect some treatments, I find that in all these cases, the, re the relative risk aversion significantly reduces for females. And this effect is quite pronounced, as you see. And also here, I cannot reject that this, the effect of background risk is the same as the effect of the fixed sum. So income can explain this effect. Now, if I compare the risk, relative risk aversion of males and females, I still find, indeed, in the control treatment, yes, females are significantly more risk averse, but as we see, not in the case of background risk. I'm sorry, can I ask another question? Yes, question? please. So when you say both, that's an interaction effect, basically testing whether or not there's a greater effect by gender. So that's what I do in the third column. But that's what you're doing in the third column. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. So, so we really, we really kind of need the third column to even know whether. So the first two columns are really just qualitative, uh, because you really need, you want to test for a statistically significant difference. You want the third column, right? We can compare those two, yeah, and see. I, I'm, but, but I'm going to make some, yeah. So, so what you see here is that it is true in controlled treatment. This, 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 is, this is the coefficient of relative risk aversion, and it's higher for females. Than oh, yeah, but you have that from your mean difference, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So now for males, I find no effect of the background risk and effect some treatment. So this is uh, consistent with what I discussed previously. So now in the, in the third column, you need to, to say something more about the comparison uh, across gender. I allow for the interaction, and I estimate this model for both genders. So I find here, if you look at the background risk effect, and I also allow for the interaction of background risk and male, I find that this, which effectively is the coefficient of the effect for, for females, is, is the same as what we had here, obviously. Uh, so that's a reduction in risk aversion, significantly reduction, whereas for males, um, there is no effect, because if we add up minus 15 and we add up 18, uh, there's no effect for males um, in the presence of background risk. So um, can you give us, um, so there was, there was one uh, result <laughs> that was easy to interpret that, that, uh, in terms of magnitude, that there was an 8% difference in risk taking, uh, in propensity to take the safe option between males and females mm -hmm. when there's no background. Mm -hmm. okay? and, and help us imagine the task. These are a set of gambles. Right. That, you're, that you're taking. And are people generally um, quite risk averse? And it, the answer may be in front of me, because you, you, the coefficient may mm -hmm. tell me that. But can you qualitatively give us some sense of how risk averse people are in this kind of context? So, so it's a kind of tricky. So here I present the results on a positive domain where people are generally mm -hmm. risk averse. And there I find uh, so that's the results I find here. If I do the same, for example, in the negative domain, I find the same effects, only now people are risk-seeking. So I find females to be less risk-seeking in the, in the presence of background risk. So we've, I find the same trends, but it's really hard to compare across contexts. In, in, so in the positive domain, uh, on the gambles um, where, where the expected values are equal, what, what percent of the time? What the expect, expected values are equal. I, so, I, um, so we compare, so there's basically no risk. Yeah, well, no, no, well, um, no, no, I can have a dollar for sure or a 50% chance of $2. Oh, okay. So the expected values are equal. Sure. 
Uh, yes. Um, um, to, are most people, do most people take the shore thing? Is it a vast majority? So, no, if, if no, they, they will be risk averse. Yeah, and the bus The vast majority of people are risk averse. Yes. Yes. I apologize, but can you take even one step yeah. further back? Yeah. What are the actual experiments? What What is the offer that's being made that's being sure. the results of which are shown sure. here? So it's a risk after dissertation task where subjects have to compare um, a lottery or a safe option. Okay. And so I vary the riskiness. Of, uh, so, I, so, I, so I vary the, the, the magnitude of the, of the safe option. So basically I can estimate at which point they are switching from, uh, from, from the risky option to the safe option. So as, as I increase the value of the safe option, at some point they'll say, okay, I, pre I prefer the safe option. And, and that's that how I can... What's that? That holds for both genders. I use the same, I just use the same method for both genders. Uh, and I find that, yeah, but both at some point they will switch, only uh, in general, uh, males uh, are more likely to go for the risky option. So they're, they're, they accept more risk, basically. But, but, but to Max's thing, they, they're, they're, the expected value is always the same, but it's just the magnitude of the, of no. the what, they're not, it's not always the same? Not always the same. No. So, so, so I do this for a lot of different types of lotteries. So, um, Can you give us like, like off the top of your head, like five like that would increase, or three that would increase in, so yeah, I would say okay on a positive domain. I would say okay, twenty percent chance of um, of getting two dollars and eighty percent chance <coughs> of getting eight dollars. And then I would compare that with different with different safe options. I do the same for mix. So twenty percent chance of losing two dollars and eighty percent chance of, of, of earning four. And I also have on a negative domain twenty percent chance of of losing five and and eighty percent of losing four, for example. And then. I just see for each of these lotteries what is the safe option that makes people basically indifferent mm -hmm. between those two choices. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the safe option for women is lower than the safe option. No, 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 the safe option for women. So they need to, they, they, they will, they're willing to accept a lower safe option. option. That's right, yes. Um, so here, for background risk, well, I'm just going by, I'm assuming this is clear now. Um, for, for the background risk treatment, I find it's so no, no effect for males, but I do find an effect for females. Uh, for the low fixed sum treatment, again, we find a significant reduction for females, but for males, once we add those up, there's no significant gender difference. There's no significant effect for males. And same thing for the, for the high fixed sum treatment. In the end, we cannot we cannot say that there is an effect for males. <coughs> and these effects are so strong that if we compare those coefficients with the, with the effect for male, we find that there is no gender difference in risk taking. So once we are in a situation where there is either background risk or where uh, people are presented with a fixed sum, the increase in risk taking, so, so the, the the increase in risk tolerance for females is so strong that we cannot no longer find significant gender difference. Okay? So, Alexander, let me try this out. Tell yeah. me if this is consistent with the data. Yeah. When I have something else going on in my mind, yes. I, I'm no longer capable of paying attention to to my risk preferences, and, and now I'm more likely to act like an expected value maximizer. 
Would that capture? Would Not really. I mean, really, from an expect. I mean, like if you're all expecting people to be rational, they shouldn't even be risk averse for you. Right. Moments, uh, yeah, right. The, right. The, 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 but I'm imagining a world <laughs> where people are risk averse for reasons that aren't particularly clear, but mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. And 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 it comes from an emotive response of some type. Mm -hmm. But if I'm cognitively busy. Mm -hmm. I don't have I, I, I don't I don't have that same feeling so that um, sort of anything busy yeah makes me lean toward more of an expected value <coughs> decision on all on the gambles I don't know if I'm well right that is consistent with this data so it's one story you could tell yes mm -hmm. okay yes um, and then that would not hold for males right right no. can you go back to your means? There we go. So you basically get you get a gender difference in the control condition, but not none of these others consistent right. with women. Right. I mean, is there is there also a possibility that it's rather than cognitive um, busyness or something like that that they're that they're taking cues in these other conditions as compared to the control condition? So 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 really, like so it's like a stronger situation, and therefore the gender effects go away. You could say that, but I would like the theory, like the theory in economics says, if somebody is more risk averse, then we expect them to also be more sensitive to changes in income. So it's completely consistent with the theory in economics. So if I have a higher baseline risk aversion and suddenly you give me more money, I respond more, much more strongly than somebody who was less risk averse. So that is uh, something I, I show in the papers. Uh, it's, you can derive it for, for, for a lot of different utility functions. Um, but that is something that, that could also explain what we've been finding here. Um, so that's yeah, that's that's what I what so I. So what do you so so explain again? What do you what do you think is going on? Why why and why would that apply to women and not to men? Or so why? because females have a higher baseline risk aversion. If you if you formalize that, um, then for the utility functions that we typically use to model people's preferences, mm -hmm. we would expect them to also be more sensitive to changes in income. So that means if you are more risk averse than I am and we get the same amount of money, you'll respond much more strongly than I will. So that is consistent with, with what we, we are finding here. Although we're not sure yet. So it's, it's consistent with the theories and that's why it's nice, but we have to also think of other options for example, males may be narrow framers and females may not. So it's possible that females take into consideration what just happened, whereas males just don't care and they just look at the risk that is in front of them and they just don't care what has been going on. So that's another explanation. So, so I, cannot, I cannot say what is driving this result. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting because what you just said, <coughs> I mean, so two different interpretations of right. that are men are clueless to what goes on around them. Okay, that would be the sort of anti-male version, but the anti- Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad thing because, yeah. But the alternative framing is that men kind of get the Matthew Rabin argument about aggregation of lots of different risks over life and that people shouldn't be particularly risk-averse. Uh, I would say that would be too optimistic examples. because they're still, they're still risk-averse. So, so I would think, yeah, that you would, would you would expect if they if they listen to Raymond, that would be risk neutral. So they right. obviously didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. So men are clueless as a Yeah, I think I'm just saying. <laughs> but if we're if we're building a narrative which is focused on 
sort of taking the data and trying to tell a story, since women yeah. have a very different background story than men in terms yeah. of consequence of risk. Yeah. And here we're discussing consequence of risk as purely the monetary outcome. Mm-hmm. But women have an incredibly high social um, capital loss from risk where they don't perform. Mm-hmm. So when a woman fails in a task, i.e. doesn't get the $2, mm-hmm. the social narrative which goes with that is that she is cloaked in failure, so she is less likely to then have mobility within whatever that social strata is, where social capital has declined, whether that's in the workplace, whether that's in the home. So how she assesses her risk, the way it plays out in reality, is not just the loss of income, but the loss of mobility and further opportunity that comes from failure and risk. Right. So, so, so what men, I don't think men are clueless. I think what men are is able to retain social capital in the face of failure because it's viewed as situational rather than uh, an assessment of their value and capability, whether that's in the home or organizational. So that women operate in the sphere in which their consequences are yielded and men operate in the sphere in which their consequences are yielded. You're predicting that complex cultural story gets generalized into the lab. Well, you could just say it's a masculine it's a masculine task. I mean, you could summarize this in some ways, just saying they're brought in to play a math game in a decision lab. It's kind with of money. a stereotypically masculine mm-hmm. task with money. It, it's a double and masculine so, task. So, arguably, I mean, there's a yeah. So it's just. It, it, it's cued as masculine. But but so what you would predict is that if you primed people for risk aversion, that you would you would you would you would you would replicate these effects not by gender but by propensity for risk aversion. So so what do you mean with that exactly? So priming, I'm I'm economist. I'm not sure. Like how do you how do you? So if you could effect? psychologically induce risk aversion, if you could create a population of people who were feeling risk averse in the right. moment, and a population of people who were feeling more or less risk averse in the moment, you're arguing that the people who were who you primed, who you psychologically induced to feel more risk averse, would act like the women in your study. Well, here we, we don't I, like I don't really consider risk feeling as much as a preference. So I, I would consider people to have. Uh, stable underlying risk preferences that do respond to context, but um, I, I wouldn't say that it's an induction of a feeling. I don't look at but it. it can't, but it can't be if you're if you're if all you have to do is assign them to a random condition and you and you can move their risk preferences by multiple points, right? So no, it can be because it, like we have in general, we take risk aversion to be uh, you know a consequence of the derivative of the utility function, and mm-hmm. so if that utility function is over whatever, for example, income and income changes, we therefore also expect a change in risk aversion, even though utility function is, is constant and fixed. I, I mean, you, you, could, you could view it as it's a preference, obviously, which is mm-hmm. the term within economics, but another way of looking at it is that one may have a baseline, you know, somewhat biologically derived sense of risk, i.e., you know, data shows that male first responders have 10 times the amount of testosterone that the mm-hmm. average male would have in the population. So you're kind of looking at an extreme. So one could call it a preference. Yeah. So fine, let's label right. it that. So we might see different behaviors. If you're going to choose yeah. to jump out of a helicopter, yeah. you know, no, or it's true. It, choose it, it, to yeah. go into burning buildings, yeah. your, your risk preference yeah. is probably on one end. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think no. the hand's point, if you can manipulate right. it, even if it's a preference, it's weak. So, so how do you mean weak? Well, why do you, well, we, should, we should let you go on. Okay. We should let okay. you go on, yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. All right, so now I'm going to look at realized risk and also um, so it'll be related to testosterone. Um, so now... 
the first we were looking at a situation where we had a background risk sitting in the background. We didn't know, you know, what would happen. We find females are sensitive, men are not. Now we're interested in knowing, well, what if we, if the background risk is revealed, if we learn the outcome specifically, what if we get the high outcome? So we're winning. So what would happen? Now, again, in economics, we consider the effect of income to be very important. So you just have a, an increase in income. So yeah, we would expect you to be more risk-taking. So that's what, what would be consistent with in economics. However, there's more to, to it than just income. So if I had this uncertain situation, I didn't know what would happen, and then suddenly somebody comes to tell me, oh, you had the good outcome, you have $30, I might be very excited. I might have a feeling of winning, and, and this might directly affect my risk-taking, even though I do not necessarily care about the income. So why would that be? Well, here we go. This is just a discussion that we were having. Uh, emotions are known to affect risk-taking. Um, so for example, stock market do much better in sunny days. So I can imagine if I just have a good news of winning, that might also affect risk-taking. Um, we have subjective expectations. We know that if people have a positive outcome of a previous risk, that may change their expectations of doing well in a future risk. So this is considered a gambler's fallacy or hot hand beliefs. And even if there's no rational reason to think you'll be lucky next time, people do, people do think that they'll be lucky next time. And then thirdly, which is also what we were discussing, hormones can be important. So, so research suggests that for men, if they win, their testosterone increases quite a bit. And there is actually research by um, a day trader who is now a neuroscientist in Cambridge University, uh, so John Coates, who finds that male day traders, um, when they win, then they start to take excessive risk in a trading floor. And he, he relates that, and he explains that by the surges in testosterone. So, so that's, what yes. What happens to women when they win? What What's happens, that? What happens to women's testosterone? We don't know. We don't know what happens to, I mean, in general. When they win, when they win, do they get an increase in testosterone too? Well, that hasn't been studied. So, so I'd be the first person studying what happens to women just in their decision making. I don't look at their testosterone. I can tell you females just have much less testosterone than men. So. It's just not, I would expect it to not be so much of a factor in their decision making, but that's just speculation. Um, um, yeah. Rose McDermott's research showed that, for example, postmenopausal women mm -hmm. function like 18 year old males. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in, in lab based risk games. You oh, might yeah. want to look at that. Yeah, I would definitely. It's really yeah, it's interesting. interesting. And think, yeah. think Margaret Thatcher. Think over my ear. No, seriously, when you think about the profile of risk taking. Uh -huh. Yeah. Wow, that's that's interesting. I uh -huh. definitely want to look at that. Um, okay, so what do we do next? So so this is just again the setup of the experiment. So remember we were in a background risk treatment, an experimenter came by, rolled the dice, and subject learned whether they got two or the thirty dollars. And I can tell you this was a very emotional experience. So people were very anxious. And when somebody would roll the dice, they definitely had an emotional response, I can tell you that. Okay, it doesn't, doesn't tell me anything about how they would respond to their risk-taking, but there's definitely a very strong emotional effect in the lab. Um, so then, of course, subjects either get $2 or $30, and that allows me to study what is the effect of, of getting the high outcome, what is the effect of the $30. So I do, so I do again, uh, I again estimate... Um, a regression, uh, so, so I estimate the coefficient of relative risk aversion uh, for, for, for both genders, and I show you here in the first column. Um, first, I just control for income, so basically I just look at what is the effect of getting 30, what is the effect of get 2. Uh, now, remember that 
the fix some treatments where they receive $30 or $2. It has happened a while back, so I don't expect a very strong effect of just the income effect. Um, then I also look at winning and losing. So winning is an indicator that is one whenever you were in a background risk treatment and you got the $30. And losing is an indicator when you were in a background risk treatment and you got the $2. So and then... So, so winning... Winning and getting 30 are financially the same situation, right? In both cases, so, so yeah. So, so if I'm in the background risk treatment and I win, this guy is one and this guy is one, right? Okay, and 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 getting two dollars is financially the same as losing because I'm again, yes, getting $2. perfect, correct. Okay, so then I also look at meal, and then of course, for us, is inter what is interesting is this interaction. Okay, what is the what is the gender specific effect of income? To get to getting 30, what is the gender specific effect of winning? So that's what I look at. And so when I when I look at, at winning, which is now you know our, our hypothesis, I see that for, for females there's no significant effect. For males, there's a very significant economically and statistically effect of a reduction um, in risk taking. So males take much more risk. So uh, I'm a little bit so I was expecting you to do a it, I think it would make your effect even stronger. Yeah. I'm intuitively thinking that it makes sense to be comparing winning versus get 30 and losing versus get two to control for the income effect. So I control for the income effect by having those go those guys in here. So this is the pure winning effect. So 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 I, what I said here, if I'm in the back. Oh, I see. So if if I win, I both win. Uh, uh, you're coding me as yes. a yes under get thirty exactly. and win. Exactly. Yes. I, I, thank yes. You. So this I'm is sorry. the pure winning effect. Yes. Um, so, so, so winners get sixty. No. If, you, if they're in the get thirty condition. No. 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 no, no, no. So so this is just an indicator. So if I'm in a back interest treatment and I win, so I get thirty dollars. Then here the income oh, indicator says, oh, yeah, this I see, that's your income control. So on that row of oh, data, yeah. you get it. If you won, if you okay, won. Okay, so you're controlling you're, 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 for, yes, I see, I see, finally what you're doing. Okay. Yes. Okay, <laughs> good. So so we don't we don't find significant effect of income, which is kind of surprising because we did find that previously for females. However, we have to keep in mind, this is a while back, and so it's likely that they're not sensitive to that income anymore. And therefore, in the next column, what I do is I also take into account the profits in the risk attitude elicitation task that I use to see, well, is there again an effect for females? Because if there wasn't, I would be worried about the robustness. And so that's what I do here. Uh, so I take into account those profits of the risk attitude elicitation task, and I again find significant uh, increase in risk taking for females and no effect for males. So that is uh, robust with our earlier findings. Okay. So, so what are what are the effects of realized risk? So, males increase risk taking after winning, and they do by a lot. So, it's about twenty. It's more than twenty percent increase in risk taking for males, which is quite significant. Um, so, this this is not due to an income effect, but purely due to a winning effect. And females again increase uh, their risk taking after 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 higher earnings. So, to just conclude all this. Yes, income, there is an income effect for females, and there is an effect of background risk for females, and this does not happen for males. And it can be explained to the sensitivity in potential income, which is also actually consistent with the theory in economics, which is comforting in a way to me. Um, then there is a winning effect for males, but not for females. Mm -hmm. And this is also quite pronounced. So what, what are the implications of, these, of, the, of this finding? 
So oftentimes we want to actually have people take more risk. In a microfinance setting, females are often considered to take suboptimal low risk. We could imagine that if we would endow them in different periods with positive income, that that would increase their risk taking by more. So that's one option we could, we could consider just basing ourselves on these findings. Now, there's obviously, uh, these findings have very severe implications for settings where decision makers are mostly male. For example, in the stock market. So if they have a previous win, this indeed suggests they will have excessive risk taking. That is just, I mean, that's just too much. It's 20% higher, it's, it's really a lot. So in that case, they're either, we could think of trying to have a more balanced gender distribution, or we could think of introducing nudges for these day traders so that they can commit, so that if they have previous winnings, previous high winnings, that they can commit to constrain their risk, profit, their risk taking in the future. So those are, those are just two things I thought of. I would love to hear more ideas and suggestions. Oh, yes, please. <coughs> well, you've concentrated on risk aversion from women, but um, I have comments about risk taking among men. And I think that one industry that really knows about this is the casino industry. Now, I've sat at a table game only twice, once when I was very young, and another time, well, a few years ago, and just a play setting, play money, you didn't get anything except the winning. Um, and the men on this side, I like to, I like to sit here so I can see what people did wrong on both sides and not do that. Um, and men just double down on everything. You know, split all your cards. Split Anytime you have double, split, split them. You're know, supposed to do that now. Certain split everything, double down on everything. And of course, the men who did that um, quickly lost their money. So I learned I'll never have to know what doubling down is, just don't do it. Um, now, there's, there was a few years ago, I looked through a book that was in basically about the casino industry. And one of the things that it said is that at the, at the it was either at the table games in general or in blackjack. Um, the casinos make their money on those extra choices that they offer the um, players. Um, you know, in other words, not whether you have, uh, not whether you beat the dealer, but whether you have done the doubling down or the splitting. Um, and so, um, since they quickly lose their money, that is um, a behavior that is really built into the business model of the casinos, of, of the game itself. That's what helps the house win. <laughs> you take the risk even if you have no idea what it is. Oh, an option to do it? Take it. Yeah. Yeah, no, the casino is an excellent, I would, on the one hand, I really love to, to use, to study data in, in casinos and, and, and commercial gambling. It's just that, in general, the people that self-select to these, uh, to these um, games are, are not necessarily very representative of the general population, but it's really valuable data. And I, yeah, I know a colleague of mine, uh, uh, he studies the effect of um, risk-taking in game shows on television, so he studies what happens if, if people just, you know, won a lot, and it's, it's really nice work. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's tricky to, to extra, uh, yeah, to, to uh, go to the general population, yes. Sorry. What, what kind of differences uh, would you expect if you compare females with each other? Um, differences in age, for instance, or socioeconomic background, but mm -hmm. because your experiment is based on Harvard students, mm -hmm. probably. So I would be wondering what your thoughts are about 
yeah. variation among women. So with so we know for the general population, if people are older, they're more risk averse. Also, if people are um, more intelligent, they take more risk for these small gambles, which is what we expect. I have. If people are more anxious, they, like I have, I have, I've done some previous research on that, they, they, this also affects their risk taking. Um, do I find gender specific effect for these? I haven't really looked at that. That'd be interesting. Like, do, that's basically what you were saying. Do older women respond differently than older men? That, that's something that's very interesting. Of course, in my data set, there will be students, so the, the age variation isn't that large, but that would definitely be something that would be very interesting to, to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you have both positive gambles and negative yes. gambles. Have, did you have you looked at whether um, the the, the risk uh, aversion coefficients are different between positive and negative, more for men versus women? So, so it seems like within your data you have some information. I define no gender difference in loss aversion. Uh, I do find that males are more risk-loving on the negative domain than females, but all the same results that I find in the positive domain, they hold, they reflect. Right, but I'm yes. asking, have you looked at the difference in response in the, so imagine you have a comparison of how much males differ in the positive domain versus in the negative domain, as well as for females, how much they differ from the positive to the negative domain. Okay. It's not quite a framing, effect, but it's um, to what degree are, mm -hmm. are the two genders responsive to the domain of their gambles? So you want me to, to, to compare the income effects on the positive domain and the income effects on the negative domain? Is that what you're saying? No. Oh. Not the income effects. I'm interested <laughs> in. So, so, take, so take the situation where there's, where it's your control condition. There's no yes. background risk. There's, yeah. there's no gain. Um, and, and so you've already said, if I have it right, that, that in both conditions, women are more risk-averse than men. Right, um, exactly. And that they're risk-averse in gains, they're risk-seeking in loss. Both genders are risk-averse yes. and risk-seeking. But there's also, um, it sounds like you have, you could have a measure of to what degree are, is the risk-aversion propensity different between positive and negative for each subject. Okay. And it, it seems like it would be interesting to know whether women are more res more responsive yeah. to the domain than men. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so imagine that this was just framing, uh -huh. as opposed to real gains and losses. So it's not the exact same thing. Uh, it seems like it would be interesting to know is one gender more <laughs> more responsive to the frame. Than the other gender, right? Which would be one step beyond your data. Yeah, yeah. Would would um would the fact that men respond more to winning than women suggest that there would be a greater effect for men than might, for women? It, it, it might be a hint, but but it sounds like Alexandra, in fact, has data on for the court. So she could, if I have her, I is, that, is that logic right? I mean, is that you you, you find men? Respond more to gains than women do, but do they respond? They respond. So they don't respond. They respond to the experience of winning. They don't respond to the income changes. So it's it's really the psychological experience of winning that that has a strong effect. 
or it could be a hormonal, but it's really going through that. It's it's like experience. binary. It's not sensitive to the the amount of the wind. Yes, I would say that. Like uh, um, Joanna, you, you know her. You might know her work. She did an all male study with um, uh, what is this game? Um, Rock, rock paper scissors. scissors. Yes, exactly. So she did just did that for males, and she found that if males won that game, they were taking more risk. So so for just all male studies, uh, we find that in a lot of different uh, a lot of different ways. Do you know what would actually be quite interesting? So winning, right, it's a psychological piece. So rock, yeah. paper, scissors can activate the winning model. Yeah. Day trading activates the winning model. Yeah. If you think of Amy Cuddy's work. Yeah. Sort of the primate-based. Right, 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 right. Universal primate symbol yeah. of victory. Whether women also can be activated through winning, but what is winning to them is different. Could be. I yeah. like, could be, I don't know. Um, because women, as well, when they win on the field. Yeah. They might do so. Like, at least when I go to the gym, then <laughs> men may always make much more noise than women. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not I go to an all-female gym. I don't <laughs> 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 Gambling and sports are both male stereotypic towns. So it may be interesting to think about what would be a, right. a more... Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. So from a policy perspective, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. One is, um, if you've looked at lotteries, state lottery, and who they targeting that to and what the impact on that, but how does one use this information or information like this to help girls, especially with financial literacy and what it means to invest and what it means to do things with their money to help build wealth? So so there's, 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 research, there's literature on finance and more and more and more that suggests, well, there is a big literacy gap in uh, gender literacy gap when it comes to financial risks. And also in previous research of mine, I find that the gender gap in risk taking is very context dependent. And so in some domains, their gender gap is much less pronounced. But what I find is that in the financial domain, there's a huge gap that we cannot really explain. Um, whereas in all the other context, I can explain it with my data, but there I cannot really explain it. And so my hypothesis is really what is driving this. And I think that, that financial literacy is, is a really uh, big problem as well. Like My research cannot really inform that, but, um, but it's some, definitely something that's very important uh, to, to improve risk taking uh, for females, I suppose. Although on the other hand, there's also research that finds that you know, uh, female investors make higher profits just because they're less overconfident and they just are less actively trading. So actively trading is a bad idea if you want to have high rewards just because it's costly. And so males that are very overconfident just start trading, they make lower profits. So it's not necessarily true that uh, that, that cautious um, attitude is, is, is bad in that, in that sense. But I'm not thinking about traders. I'm thinking uh -huh. about the 13-year-old girl who's going to become a 55-year-old whatever. And how does one instill financial literacy without having to become a trader along the lines in terms of the value of what one produces or the price of what one pays and the benefit you get from it. Um, so, so you're seeking ways to increase financial literacy? Right. I'm, I'm looking mm -hmm. at your information. It's yeah. interesting, but if, if I don't, my wife's not a trader, so uh, where do I take this and do something useful for it with it? And I'm thinking financial literacy is, is one way. And how does? Yeah, I'm not sure. So I'm not sure if it is true that these effects go go away if, if five females are more financially literate. I'm not sure that that is true at all because this is not really even related to to the financial domain. Um, 
So, so I don't know if that if that's going to help us at all. And also, I wouldn't even say that females are doing very poorly here. I mean, we find differences, but it's not very clear that you know this is necessarily um, females are, are doing worse than men in, in any way. I cannot really say that from this data. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea is that the women are not responding to a role of the dice, basically. The right. So the women are reality-based, but the men are nuts, right? <laughs> so, so, I mean, when we need to find actual literacy, the men do need to be restrained from this uh, irrational uh, optimism or belief that something that is situational is inherent in them. They're just winners and they're going to go for it. Well, I think okay. everyone needs financial literacy. <laughs> I was looking at, at well, this. I mean, if there's a difference between the genders, yeah. we can target our educational efforts differently based on what we know about how, how different genders react in certain circumstances. So, so yeah, but if this is really, like, for example, the increase in risk-taking, if that's really the consequence of testosterone, I doubt that informing people is really going to help them. So maybe then what I was saying, a nudge, something that helps them to, to constrain themselves might be a more effective way. We find a lot of times in behavioral science that it's not lack of information that is causing uh, particular behavior, but it is incontrollable, irresistible urges or um, biases and heuristics that, that are still there even when we inform the subjects. So, yeah. And, and, and just let me note, um, because people are embedded in their cultural normscape, we see differences in competitive behavior in sports in the United States because we have a real overlay of consistent, repetitive modeling of those differences. But, for example, one of the faculty members who has often come for negotiation seminars ran the same competitive-based studies. In Sweden, there's no difference in competitive behaviors. So these behaviors, though they may be impacted by things like testosterone or cortisol, and someone who has 10 times the normal amount may choose a different profession, these effects are totally um, mitigated by cultural landscape, just the way our cultural norms can even turn off and on genes. Like this is not a... There's no evidence that this is biologically based in a way that's fixed, as opposed to interactive. I mean, Delta, you don't have any performance measures. Do you have performance measures here? Uh, so I have actually information on um, intelligence and cognitive reflection. No, no, no. I mean, like, you, you, your DV is risk preference, right. as opposed to money made in the experiment, right? Right. So you don't money made in the experiment would be like a performance indicator you don't have any data showing do you have data showing that women do less well at this particular task than men in terms of money made or so so in this case because it's the risk is so much of an impact uh, if you take more risk if i have like a, a very big sample the people that will take more risk will have higher income okay okay so this is, this is this is a game where it's laid out the greater risk taking Leads to higher payoff. In and the so gains, in this, what? In the gains domain, but not in the loss domain. In well, I know in the loss domain, it would still, it's, it would still, um, it depends, depends really, but it, no, it's, it can still be better to take more risk because I have also safe options that have negative values and I have safe options that have positive values. But that's, but that's an artifact of the way you've constructed the. But I thought you said that, that both genders are risk seeking all So if they're now, yeah, so if they're if they're risk loving, yeah. that's not a good that's not good. They should be risk neutral. Exactly. Yes. So so right. so so if I have it right, men are making more money in the gain domain and women are making more money in the loss domain in your experiment. Yes, this is true. Because we just want people to be as close to risk neutral as we can. Okay, so, so this this is this isn't a matter of training women to be better at this game. You just 
Right. I mean, is there, are, there, are there overall gender differences in performance in this in this I wouldn't test? be able to say that. You wouldn't be able to say that. No. Okay, so it just goes to the financial. The, there, there, is this there is this difference in risk preference, but the way she's constructed this, it's not actually that the women are underperforming. It's just a difference in risk preference exactly. in, this, in this situation. So uh, I was expecting Hannah to ask a different question, so I'll ask what yeah. I thought was another <laughs> question. Um, what would happen if you had another condition overlay of males, females, of they were not making these decisions for themselves, but for somebody else. That's very interesting. Oh, I was. I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we know that. Good. We yeah. know that. Yeah. I, I, that's interesting. I, I obviously have no idea. I know there's some research that finds that if if men are investing for females, they'll make they choose more risk uh, averse portfolios. Um, so so we know that. But I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know here what yeah. would happen. So, yeah. So my quick prediction having read the work of Hannah yeah. um, and, and generalizing from a different context. But I think that people would be much more risk neutral. So whatever their preferences are, positive, yeah. negative, um, risk-seeking, risk aversion, they would move toward um, uh, toward expected value maximization for someone else. Could be, yeah. <laughs> be interesting to look at them. In terms of policy implications, yeah. spheres where this could be particularly applicable, I yeah. would think of the military uh -huh. as wanting to rein in risk that's beyond optimal levels, right? yes. being highly motivated to do yes. that and having like, huge impacts yes. externally. Um, and then point, I would yeah. also think about elections and how yeah. does legislators' behavior change shortly after they're reelected, right? So if it's their third term in Congress, but now they're taking a vote in January, right? Are they more risk seeking in their policy making? Right? Are they more willing to take risks for the national budget or other questions like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So both being like hugely male-dominated, right? How many risks are being taken that could be optimized for that? Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks. Yeah. So, because of power, I couldn't look at that, and I haven't looked at that. Uh, so that's something that I would have to do in the future. Um, yeah, it's actually not straightforward. Like I, I wouldn't be able. There's a lot of. On the one hand, you, you're you don't you do, you hate losses, and so you might take more risk. On the other hand, you might feel very bad, and so so yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, yes. One other. Yes. Um, what does the literature say? happens to these kinds of choice models when the monetary value goes from trivial to substantial. So so we haven't it's like this is the only research that has been focusing on both men and women. In general if we so so there has been some research like what happens if we blow up the stakes um, We find in general that people become more risk averse when it comes to, to higher stakes, um, but the same trends appear to hold. So if I do something for low stakes and I do something for high stakes, I, I kind of observe the same dynamics, but uh, yeah. Terrific, thank you. Very much. We welcome you back next week. Um, uh, our presenter is going to be uh, Monica 
Kweiser, who's the head of the Social Policy Division, the Directorate of Employment, Labor, and Social Affairs for the OECD. She's going to talk about closing the gender gap, Act Now, Progress and Policies to Achieve Gender Equality in Education, Employment, and Entrepreneurship. So back to a very broad picture. So thank you for this deep dive. <laughs>